Hi, this is David Vinson, and I'm the superintendent of schools for the Wiley Independent School District, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amanda Martin. Hi, I am the Director of Counseling Services and the Wiley Way, and welcome to the Achieving Kids podcast. Our goal is to provide a better understanding of how the decisions we make help promote the best interests of our kids and community. We will tackle big subjects, entertain different viewpoints, but the focus will always be on equipping you with the strategies that will help them become Achieving Kids. Okay, Amanda. I always say this is the best one, but I think this is going to be the best one. I know. I'm so excited about this. So we have introduced our guests. Do you want to introduce our guests? Because yes. you're going to do a better job than me at that. <laughs> I would not, but thank you. Yeah. Um, in-house, we have Amy Andrews. Amy, you want to say hi? Hi, everyone. Amy is our counseling coordinator, and she was formerly um, the lead counselor at Wiley East High School for a long time. And everybody would talk about how great a job you've done on your website and everything. So we thought if you could just bring you to the central office and let you do it for everybody. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here today. I love this topic. And then we have Debbie Schwartz and she is in New York. Is that that, that you told us, right? I am. I, I, um, I'm not normally in New York. I'm actually <laughs> from Philadelphia, but um, today you're getting me traveling. So um, I'm here from New York City, um, but nice to meet with, be with you all today. Yeah, here's the deal. So my wife, Christy, thinks this lady hung the mood and I know she did. I mean, and so she was, so the thing is, is that she, it was kind of this grassroots, you know, process where she went and started trying to find, ask questions and mm-hmm. things and saying, you know what, there's nobody that can do it. I always say this, if I could take my PTA, I could operational, I could send them into a, uh, you know, a country that has strife and they would get it organized in about an hour. And okay. so my parents do a great job of Debbie of making things happen for us. And so, but Debbie took it one step further. I mean, so she has this paying for college 101 mm-hmm. Facebook po- page. And I mean, I would parents, we will leave it underneath. So you can, and this, this is a fantastic resource. I mean, and questions answered, you can post questions and you will have numerous responses. Mm-hmm. Uh, she created road to college and, and, and uh, paying for college 101. And the thing is, is that the content there is amazing and parents helping each other and y'all chiming in. I mean, it's just, I wish I would have thought of it because I just thought, man, this would be so great for our school district. But now you've done it for us. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, wanted to give families um, um, information about, you know, the college process, but also particularly about paying for college because it's, um, you know, it's it's become a burden and it's something that doesn't necessarily have to be a burden if you approach it the right way. And um, I'm so glad that parents themselves kind of, you know, chimed in and it's not just me. I mean, I'm helping to guide people, but we're all helping each other. And that's what I love about um, the Paying for College 101 group. Well, what a blessing you are to these families. What a blessing you are to us. And here's the thing. So I asked Christy because she's going to be able to know, be in the know and people know about this questions that, hey, can you ask everybody, what are the questions that you would ask you Mm -hmm. and the most frequently asked questions you would have for a counselor? And so, you know, You've seen we actually edited these questions and I parent and so those of those who are actually on this site and read these things, if it sounds like your question, it probably is. We yeah. <laughs> English teachers have seen these and they've edited them. So we're all in this process to ask them. So what I without further ado, I would just like to get started. And you do y'all want to kick us off about some of the questions that they had and maybe Debbie could help us answer. Yeah. Amy, you want to talk about, um, as a high school counselor, you looked through a lot of these questions and want to start with some of the most common ones you got or we get here in Wiley. 
Sure. Um, here in Wiley, just I think th one of the major questions we get is about GPA rank, how our top 10% um, is determined, that internal ranking system. So um, that's specifically what we get. I don't know if you see that kind of across the board, but just determining our top 10%. Um, the difference between like unweighted and weighted GPA is really heavy here as well. Um, and then like the top 10% rule for um, automatic acceptance here in the state of Texas um, with one of our most popular schools being UT, I'm going to the top 6% automatic. So those are just some hot topics that we, um, some questions that we get frequently in the counseling center um, at the high school level here. Um, yeah. So GPA, um, particularly the, this unweighted and weighted question is a big question. And, yes. and even more so this past year because of so many colleges going test optional. Yes. So there's yes. There was more of a, a focus, not that this GPA was always important, but it became kind of like the only major focus. Mm -hmm. And so I don't blame people that there's confusion. Um, and I wish uh, as uh, the colleges as a whole, you know, would kind of like make some standardization, but they don't yet. And so, um, you know, I um, some schools, high schools, you know, have their own way of, of, of uh, calculating that GPA and most times it seems that high schools are creating a weighted GPA, but then when on the flip side, the colleges um, tend to unweight the GPA yes, because they right. need to have apples to apples way to compare, you know, students, even though even behind that unweighting, it's still not apples to apples, but they're trying to kind of normalize it as much as possible. Um, and the, the confusion is that even though I say a lot of colleges um, will unweight the GPA and that they'll create kind of create their own calculation based on the, the, the five core subjects. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you know, there are these pockets of schools who don't. So my advice, and, and you're going to hear me maybe this uh, uh, a lot of these questions, my advice is you have to be um, asked the questions ask these questions to the colleges. Like we, mm -hmm. we can't be afraid um, as parents, or even I kind of want to make people think of themselves as consumers, mm -hmm. you know, to ask whatever question is um, confusing to you or um, to get clarification or just to ask to get more information. So um, I do a, a session on helping people understand merit scholarships and how to find merit scholarships. And one of the things I ask, I tell them to, to look for is, on the college's website, when they talk about GPA, sometimes they will make it clear whether it's weighted or unweighted. Mm -hmm. But if it's unclear, you have to ask the college this. And this is, these are great things for the students to do. Reach out to the rep and say, you know, the, the GPA information that's on your website or the GPA information that's related to the scholarship, is it weighted or is it unweighted? And how are you recalculating it? Like that should just be um, you know, basic information they share. Sometimes they don't, but I also think it's a great way for students to kind of um, use these opportunities to, to start to self-advocate for themselves and realize that they need this information as well to kind of better understand the process. And that's what we talk to our, especially just our incoming freshmen, because it starts freshman year as far as uh, here in Wiley, your weighted GPA Um and it can actually start in eighth grade with uh, a Spanish and an algebra class if a student chooses to take those two classes. So just the importance of those foundational early classes um, going into your GPA and how important that is even at a younger age and to start that process and that conversation really early. 
It's such a good point. I, actually, I um, when I first started this, you know, my website and, and Pink College One One, I did a lot of the writing on, on the website myself. And one of the first articles I wrote was something about how like your grades in ninth grade are as equal as your grades in eleventh grade. Yes. <laughs> you know, but students don't realize it. You know, mm-hmm. like so, ha- you know, doing well in ninth grade is can have such a great impact. You know, of course. You know, if people transition and, you know, or students transition and, and, and um, you know, even if ninth grade isn't the best, if they have improvements, you know, colleges like to see that, that you know, that they're improving. But if you can come out of the gate, like, really well in ninth grade, you've just set yourself up for a great foundation, you know, yes. and that ninth, ninth grade grade, you know, um, counts just as much as the 11th grade. Um, and when you're in 12th grade going through the college process, those grades are important. But the reality is most of the application is based on your ninth through 11th grade. Your junior mm-hmm. year. Yes. All those are reflected on your transcript. I can't oh. tell you how many seniors <laughs> I've sat with and they're like, oh, if only I would have focused in and concentrated and really taken my ninth grade year seriously. So exactly. yeah. Of that. yeah. Well, and that's really good. To, I, my oldest is in a seventh grader right now. And Dr. Benson was like, you have to join this Facebook group because the earlier you see all these common questions mm-hmm. and all these common things, the better. So have you noticed parents of younger kids on your site too? We are starting to, I feel, I feel like I would love to give you guys a virtual hug for saying that <laughs> <laughs> earlier you get on and it's not and so my whole point, honestly, another um, reason why I started um, the Rhodes College and Pink Pots is I did want to empower the parents because I think that parents can be the best guide, you know, mm-hmm. through the process. And so there was so much information that actually was geared towards students, which is great. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong, but there wasn't enough information geared towards parents. And, you know, just as like you're saying that the parents, if you have that information early, you can't expect some, uh, uh, you know, a student in seventh and eighth grade to be worrying about. Yeah. I mean, you want them to worry about the appropriate things. You want them to worry about their schoolwork, but you can't have them worrying about, you know, college costs and savings. It's just, you know, it's too much. It's, mm-hmm. it, it's, uh, but, but if you can get the parents focused on it at that age, uh, you know, when their kids that age, and then they're prepared, you know, when um, they really need to, you know, guide their student, that is ideal because it's, it, it is a system that people have to understand and you have to be educated about how it works. And once you know the way it works, it's actually not that hard to navigate. It's just that all of a sudden, as parents, we kind of come upon it and we've never done it before. And it's like, oh my God, what is all this? And yeah. all this information. And I should have done this two years ago. And now I have to catch up. Um, so the earlier, the better. I love hearing that. Well, that's so important too. And one thing that I've mentioned as well when we talk about these things is, you know, counselors can do so much. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we do a great job of, you know, every kid in Wiley, we pay for their PSAT, mm-hmm. nine through, uh, and then that we pay for their SAT. Mm-hmm. And we register them. We do this. We do not give them much choice. We register them for <laughs> calling college. And so everybody's in, is at least, you know, registered for that process. But, when you're looking at money and you're looking at colleges, there is just the drill down to those specific, what you would say there's, it's hard for a counselor to be able to do that task, right? A hundred percent. And, you know, um, and I kind of recognize that when I, again, started getting involved in this space and I don't blame the counselors at, at both high school, public schools and private schools it's an issue it's a privacy issue you know mm-hmm. um and i and i've heard counselors say to me i want to 
understand the way that like the system and financial aid works, but I can only help my family so much because I can't really ask them, you know, about their mm-hmm. personal mm-hmm. finances and I can't get that deep. And, and it's, and, and I understand it's not appropriate, you know, so um, it's good to kind of like give like the resources, but the, at some point the families have to dig in and um, because it's their own personal information and, and, finances and, um, and, and know a little bit more, um, you know, about, about how to move forward. But, um, it's, it's a very fine line, you know, um, between the the schools and and families finances. And that's what this whole space a little tricky because it's not just academics. It's, I always, there's like two tracks going on here. There's an academic track and there's a financial track and they weave back and forth. Mm -hmm. And what students do on the financial side impact the um, academic, I'm sorry, what students do on the academic side influences the financial side and what, what families have on the financial side can also influence like, um, the, the college process as well. So it's, it's a, it's a weaving back and forth. And from a, you know, a school perspective, there's only so far you can go on the financial side. So true. And actually we have, uh, for this upcoming class, the class of 2022, um, we have a FAFSA requirement that basically we have to either have, uh, families opt out or, um, we have to have verification that a student has a FAFSA on file. And that's a state of Texas. Yes. A state of Texas requirement coming up for this next school year. So just, um, in speaking to the FAFSA, that's kind of another interesting checkbox for our graduating seniors in Texas. I've probably, uh, to be honest, heard a little bit of controversy, not, not not from Texas, but just in other states about, you know, that they require the FAFSA. Um, I actually think it's a good and a smart thing to, to require it because, um, or, you know, to at least then people have to opt out and tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because um, even, and I've seen it, even really well-to-do families, um, it, can, it doesn't hurt to file the FAFSA. They may not get, you know, aid the way they think, but, but you have access to the, the federal loans. And that's, mm-hmm. what's so important. Everybody, if they're going to need to borrow anything, absolutely need to borrow from the government first before going anyplace else. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is to have that FAFSA on file. So, I mean, at, at the minimum, that's why I think it's, it would be important for everybody to, to file their FAFSA. I wonder Great. what percentage of folks, because it's probably pretty significant, get loans. Oh, Oh, federal loans, it's yeah. actually over over um, 80% of, of students um, take out federal loans. Wow. You yeah. know, that's a nice thing for people to know about because sometimes you're sitting there and you think that I'm the only work person doing it. Well, if 80% of the, the country is doing it, that's, a, that's mm-hmm. what's up. And, and, you know, I'm glad you bring that off. I mean, uh, my goal is always, you know, to help people understand, you know, the college process, but, but also particularly the financial process. And we want to see people be able to, go to college, of course, debt-free, that's like the, you know, the gold standard. But if you have to take out loans, it doesn't mean that you have failed. It just, if you have to take out loans, you just want to do that responsibly. Yeah. You know? Um, And so that you just, you know, you just want to um, understand how much you're taking out, if you'll be able to manage it. And, um, and then where you're taking it out from and are you doing the right research? So if you have to take out loan, you haven't done anything bad. And as you said, 80% of the of students are taking it out, you know, particularly the federal loans. And the federal loans are designed 
so that um, that's why they have, you know, maximums because they don't want you to, they want students to get too far into debt. And if you look at the, the, the total dollar amounts, if you were to actually take out the maximum amount of federal loans every year, and I just did this calculation the other night for a family, um, and it's just based on this year's uh, interest rate. So, you know, that's the one caveat. But if you had to take out federal loans for all four years, your total monthly payment would be about $270 a month. Hmm. Um, you know, that's, I think, could be reasonable for a lot of, you know, uh, students when they graduate. And so, um, you know, to your point, you shouldn't feel there's no shame at all if you have to take out federal loans. Um, you just want to make sure that everything is manageable at the end. And that's part of planning. The part of planning is that you need to look at um, all four years of college costs and yeah. maybe even, you know, I had a family and I thought they did a beautiful job. They um, showed me they, their student is a senior. They haven't even started college yet, but they were, had planned all the four years of what the costs were. And not only that, they had created a sample budget of what their daughter's you know, life was going to be like when they graduated because they already had an idea of they could estimate, you know, apartment costs and, and insurance. And they wanted to her to see all the pieces that go into daily living. That's just showing off right there. Like, that's that's, that's, that's a conversation. <laughs> I'm just Vincent so glad to hear you yeah, say that. Level effort, but I'm <laughs> and can you, you mentioned start with the federal loans first. Why, how come you made that statement? Oh, because, well, Federal loans, they are the almost the only place where a student is going to be able to get a loan without a cosigner. Okay. So um, a student can get a loan from the federal government and nobody else has to be responsible for that loan mm -hmm. except for the student. Um, and um, and and the other um, you know, bonus, so to say, there's actually a few, but um, is that the usually it's going to be the lowest interest rate out there. Okay. So um, the government is providing loans with the lowest interest rate compared to any place else that the student can get it. Plus, they're not requiring that a student have a cosigner on the loan. Um, and in addition, and it's a little bit too complicated, I won't go into details, there's a lot of other protections. You know, mm -hmm. there's um, income repayment plans. There's a lot of other potential repayment plans if a student gets into financial trouble later on. And that only comes with federal loans. So um, if, if a, a family and a student has to take out loans, 100%, you max out what you need to take out from the federal government first before looking anywhere else. And every, hopefully, every financial person who you ever talk to and every, <laughs> even every like student lender will tell you that. that, that is kind of like, you know, just the, the gospel, that's the, what you do first. And then, and then you look towards other resources after. And here in Wiley, we actually have um, a couple of FAFSA nights um, before it opens October 1st, and we'll have those again um, in the fall next year. And just to walk parents through um, what the subsidized and subsidized loans mean as far as Pell Grants um, and kind of try to give parents an overview of just all that vocabulary and what it means. Um, just because some of those terms are very foreign to parents, especially if you haven't had a student go through the process, um, just learning the terminology itself there's a learning curve 100%. there. We actually, I can send you a link. We have um, a, 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 a webpage that's all about these acronyms, you know? Um, <laughs> yes, we acronym. love that. EFC and, you know, NPC and, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden it just gets thrown at you. And even if you actually knew the words, you know, you're still kind of questioning what it means. But now in addition, you're just getting these initials. Yes, absolutely. 
So one of the things that we had talked about and people had asked questions about is GPA and of course SAT doesn't matter as much, but in a traditional setting, you know, what is your thought about what they're going to do in the future with regard to the need for everybody to get their SAT, ACT, uh, you know, uh, scores up? I mean, because, you know, that that was a big dividend for uh, mm-hmm. for my kid that went to college last year about where his SAT Absolutely. was. Yeah, that's a good question. I, um, this is just opinion, you know, I, I can't say it's going to actually happen. I, I, I think that test optional is going to continue, you know, so I think a lot of schools are going to, um, you know, keep that option of uh, being test optional. Uh, there is kind of like talk, but um, that, that the, the more um, selective schools might, might, go back in, uh, um, to requiring test scores. And that's really because they got inundated with applications mm-hmm. that they couldn't handle. And so it is a little bit of a, 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 of a gating process, you know, by requiring um, SAT. So that might happen. Um, I guess my point is SATs, ACTs are not going to go away. They will not be at the same prominence that they used to be. But um, I think they kind of can be like a tool for the student, meaning um, give it a try. If you do well, it just will enhance your application. Mm-hmm. If you don't do well on the test scores, it doesn't mean that, you know, again, you're a failure. You, you just don't use it, you know, and then you'll have to rely on other pieces of your um, achievement or, you know, activities to enhance who you are. So um, I think people can just use it as, you know, if, it, if it's going to make a student look better, great. If it doesn't, then just don't use it. You know, it's not going to hurt the students. Several of the updates, the college updates I've attended this year, um, they are saying test optional. Some are even going through 2025, but they are still saying that an SAT or ACT score is required for the scholarship, uh, their scholarships. So I've tried to communicate that with parents. I know that we're just trying to keep that out there as well, that a lot of those merit-based scholarships are still tied to test scores. Maybe not your entrance, but the scholarship side. That is very true. That's why I, I would still encourage people to try or students to try and take the test and then decide what they want to do with the information instead of just saying, no, I'm not even going to give it a shot. And, and, and you guys are educators. I'm not educators, but I'll just tell you my parental <laughs> philosophy is that I also think that it's not so bad to kind of um, have to uh, pr- you know um, prepare yourself for a test like that because it, it, it kind of starts to um, build in those skills that they're going to need later in life, you know? So I also kind of looked at it as a little bit of a skill building of, you know, having the persistence of just, you know, um, making sure you're prepared and, um, and even to go through something which you're a little nervous at, it, I think I've always felt is good because you're initially nervous and then you get over it and you see you survive, then you can go, you know, and do more things. And, and that nervous feeling kind of starts to go away. That's very true. I was super nervous taking this test. <laughs> I, I wasn't, and it also showed. Yeah. You know, one of the things about that is is that managing expectations, and from this website, what you'll see is that there's people who have these dream schools. I don't even know that existed, really. I mean, you know, people talked about that, but as we kind of move up the food chain about people mm-hmm. who want to go to college, that, you know, some of the parents had said, it's really important to manage expectations as, as far as admission goes and all these kind of things. So... Is talk to us a little bit about that. What's your advice on this management of the dream school process and about what's the what's the limits as far as cost and, mm-hmm. and benefit and those kind of things? Well, let me just tell you that I actually hate the word dream school. I wish it would like be abolished um, from from the vocabulary. And in fact, 
if I ever see um, ads, because I, I see a lot more Facebook ads these days with, um, you know, trying to help you with college admissions or anything related to college. And when they use that word dream school, I'm like, I would like to cross that company off the list. <laughs> That's just like, <laughs> because that just tells me that they are not putting out, in my belief, like the right philosophy. So, I, well, it's okay to have a reach school, like that school that like, oh, I would be absolutely thrilled if I got into. But in terms of managing expectations from both an academic and a financial standpoint, my important, most important thing is, is people need to, you need to have options. So at the, towards the end of the process, which for seniors is like right, right now, I mean, May 1st is that decision day, right? So seniors have gotten um, all of their acceptances and they have to make the decision if they haven't already by, by May 1st. But the when you're at the point of making a decision, you want to have options. And the only way to have options is to really have, you know, what I would call a balanced uh, approach to applying to college. So you can't just apply to all those schools that, that like you would absolutely just love to get into, but you don't really have a shot at. And the same thing, you can't just apply to all those schools that you would love to go to, which you can't financially afford, you know? So you have to be um, much, much more realistic in the process and have a combination of the schools where you really feel certain you'll get into um, schools that like you have a good shot. And then if you, it's kind of like, you know, um, if you want to break your diet and have a little piece of cake, you know, then you know, go for it. But as long as you've been good for the whole week, then it's not so bad. So if you want to put a few of these, you know, reach schools on your list and 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 apply, sure, as long as you have all the other like more solid backup schools. Um, I don't even want to call them backup schools. As long as you have all those other schools where you feel good about um, uh, attending and you have a, a, a very decent shot about getting in, then, um, then, then, then you're balanced. Then you have, you know, schools where, you know, you'll be able to get in and close to afford. And then if you want to put those, like, you know, other schools out there that are, um, you know, like those far reaches, then go for it. But as long, as long as you have the other schools, you know, solidly on your list and that, and that, and when it comes to managing expectations, I don't think I think that's where really parents and, and schools Amen. need to step in because I mean, students are just, they're, they're maturing. They don't really know all the factors that they should be paying attention to. So it's really the schools and the parents that have to manage that expectation from the beginning. Yeah. That's such a great advice because mm -hmm. these expectations and, you know, I think you would agree that they're the expectations of the kids are in the face of the parents, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, we got to manage that. And I've got a kid, and going to our alma mater at Texas Tech. And then, you know, we've got a daughter who decided that she was going to be different. She's going to North Park University in Chicago. So because we want her to go to Texas Tech. So, you know, what we know and what they're going to do. <laughs> yeah. But we're glad for both of them. And it's great. So we got time for two more questions, y'all. Okay. So you had mentioned, I love the word balance because I just feel like that could apply in every area of our lives. Um, but we, we had looked at... Um, like enhancing your college application profile. And one of the quotes that kept coming up from the thing was balance. Like you don't have to do a million activities. They want to see that you're um, engaged and have leadership positions or you're giving back or things like that. Um, what are some other things that you've noticed that would be great for getting into a college and having a good application and things like that, that you've seen on the site from experiences? Sure. I think that, um, Students just having a really deep interest um, in in 
something. It doesn't even have to be, you know, um, a topic at school. Um, I actually once uh, interviewed a student and um, their interest was um, Shakespeare. They, they just loved Shakespeare and everything that they did had connection to that love of Shakespeare. And um, they went to a summer program that was on Shakespeare. They they um, directed plays at the school, which were Shakespeare's plays. They even actually came to the to the interview with a um, um, a, ma- a game that they had created, you know, all around Shakespeare's and the plays and his characters. And so that's I mean, that maybe that was intense, but but to just pick you know, a few areas of interest and then go deeper is much better than like, I'm going to try this and this and that, but, but you're not really doing much in all Mm -hmm. of these activities. So uh, I guess, so my, I guess my point is it doesn't have to be even school related, you know, it could be um, somebody could love photography Mm -hmm. and, and, and go out and, um, you know, and, 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 and take lots of photos and enters contests and, and, you know, and, and maybe they, you know, help um, and provide those um, photographs to the school. It, 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 it's, it's kind of, I actually think that it's, if a student can find an interest and then um, find lots of different ways, whether it's connected to school and also outside of school, that they are kind of using that interest. um, That's pretty powerful because then it shows initiative that they're not just even relying on what's available at school. They're using their interest to find other ways of, uh, you know, of, of, of getting deeper into their interest or sharing their interest with other people. Well, I love that because we spend a lot of time in Wiley talking about their strengths and interests Mm -hmm. and passions and what they're doing each day to make those deeper because we want a whole child when they graduate, not just a core curriculum. Yeah. So Wiley parents, (laughs) make sure that you go on your achievement profile because we do Mm -hmm. have those points where you're asking them to create their mission statement Mm -hmm. and do those things because we actually have uh, Map Your Future Monday and we have our parents and we create videos of our parents explaining their jobs. And on each Monday, they get to think about what those jobs are and they get to talk about that. Well, when you're in Wiley, we do it 20, 30 times a year. And mm-hmm. so by the time you're done, you've seen a hundred and something careers. Oh, wow, that is great. Yeah. And actually anybody can come in and use those. I mean, because, and we've actually amassed places from other things mm-hmm. and they're age appropriate and all those kind of things, but it starts developing these passions mm-hmm. and they do drill down. I'm amazed at how engineer kids that just want to do nothing but create and yes. do and learn. Mm-hmm. And the same thing for the theatrics and fine arts. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool. But developing those things are, are, are what really makes them engaged and keeps them achieving. One more question. Do you have um, just top advice that you would give to our families, like final words or things that we should consider or talk about as we're getting ready to pay for college? Yeah. Well, um, let's see. I actually would. um, My advice is that to embrace the process, you know, embrace it both like helping your student academically, but also financially to um, um, talk to them uh, about about what you can afford and what the what the colleges cost. So um, I actually think that this can be a really you know, maybe maybe you think I'm strange by saying this. This could be a family bonding experience because you know you're you're getting to know your student even more by um, helping them figure out where they want to what they want to study, where they want to go to college, and then by bringing in the financial side, you're actually teaching them huge important yeah. lessons in life. Um, you're teaching them 
purely about finances, about maybe what your family's finances are like and how you've saved or, you know, or where there are holes and how you're going to figure out how to cover that financial gap. People are going to, everybody's going to come across those issues in their life, you know, so why not like start to learn them now? And, um, and, and if you're smart about the way you've gone through the process, you've taught your students so many things. You've taught them um, to, to research and understand a complex process. Mm-hmm. They're going to run into a lot of complex processes in life later on, too. So how how you kind of start um, an overwhelming process and pick it apart and then um, and then march through it, you know, is is a skill onto its own, um, you know having them um, understand the financial aspect um, is is really big because one of the reasons why I went into this space is because I felt that um, this one decision of where your student goes to college could have, could, if, if not handled properly, could have financial ramifications for two generations at once. Mm-hmm. So it can have wow. a ramification mm-hmm. for your student, but it also has ramifications for the fa- for the parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I believe it, it's a process that is so that parents can't step out of that you really, you know, could, should be, um, the, the, the guide or the driver, you know, with schools, um, to help, you know, your student get to the place that they want to be, but also at a place where you're going to be able to afford paying it for it. So you have to be, um, willing to research, um, ask questions and, um, you know, think of it, you know, as, as you would purchase any major thing in life, Mm -hmm. you're a consumer and you're trying to get the, you know, best product for the best price Mm -hmm. um, and make sure that your student's happy along the way. That's so important because, you know, that's the thing with our kiddo, our daughter, we had this budget, this is how much we're going to spend. And we said, so you would rather go here or go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Here's your budget and go look. Mm -hmm. And it took four months and it was, there was not necessarily, sometimes family time was not happy time. But the thing (laughs) is that she kept coming back and, you know, I think she made a great choice and it's the place Mm -hmm. that she loves. It was affordable in terms of where we were at. And uh, she learned how much things cost. And I mean, that's a big thing. Absolutely. And I just want yeah, to leave you, with you did the process with her, you know, and you yeah. kind of showed her what the boundaries were and that's yeah. okay. You know, things are not limitless. And then she had to work within the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's great to know that this Facebook group, anyone can sign up, they answer the questions and then they'll get approved and they can have this wealth of knowledge. And also for our families who, um, or students whose parents maybe are not as invested in this, um, Amy and Dr. Vincent have both, their personal families have walked with other children in this district through this Mm -hmm. whole financial process. And Mm -hmm. so we have people reach out, your school counselors, everybody can help out. Yeah, absolutely. Take advantage of all those opportunities that the district provides as well for, to further your knowledge um, and reach out to those people at the campus level because they're a wealth of information as well. Yeah, because we adopted two or three of those kids. A great, I am so um, impressed with everything that you're providing parents. And can I just say one thing? If, if, a student can join. A student can join. We've oh, had cool. several, many yeah. students join and um, the Facebook group. And there's actually a lovely story that we're writing up now um, of a student who didn't have, you know, uh, family support. And um, um, and she was able to get one or two people in the group to help guide her oh through the, um, the process. That's awesome. That is so neat. Mm-hmm. And you know, the journey is just as good for you as it is for them. And you know, we learned so much. You know, we wouldn't have we've you know, as a as a superintendent, the chance to explore there was we didn't know much about HBCs. 
Right. And uh, uh, and those I mean, all the things that we learned about this about West Coast schools, East Coast mm-hmm. schools, all these things that yeah. people are wanting to know about. It's been great. Well, man, let me just tell you, you are a blessing. We yes. just are so grateful for you, and thank you for you're helping America pay for college. I mean, that's really cool. And we're going to make sure that we put all of your information. Uh, we'll uh, put your website. We'll put the Facebook group, and expect a lot of people from Wiley, Texas, <laughs> to come join. What you do? I'd love to see them. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thank you. Yeah.